Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Good afternoon all, welcome to your Thursday, 15, 12, 22. Second to last day before this group of champions have a little break and I guess all of you, there's always people working through and um, thank you for keeping the wheels of the economy turning if you weren't working through uh, Christmas. Boy oh boy, we are chock-a-block today. You won't want to go anywhere for the next three hours. Here's what we've got coming up. Our Greyhound and Harness Racing Tips for our charities. Uh, The last one we're going to do this year. We are flying in the Greyhounds. We're going all right in the Harness as well. We're going to catch up with Edward Rennell, the new CEO of Greyhound Racing. This is all in the first hour, champions. Um, Our number four biggest sporting moment of 2022 will be in the first hour as well. Um, We're going to chat to Mike Hesson, former Black Caps coach. Uh, that was pre-recorded this morning and I was asking him for a prediction what Kane Williamson's going to do. It's just come out. He's stepping down from test captaincy. Um, and a bit of a bit of a teaser, or what did we say, a spoiler. Um, that's what Mike Hesson thought would happen. Um, uh, but anyway, we'll have the other biggest sporting moment between one and two as well. Going to catch up with Caitlin O'Sullivan from Love Racing about the Grand Tour, the events, where they are and why they're different. Uh, Campbell Burns, editor of Rugby News, will join us between 2 and 2.30. First time ever they've got a woman on the cover. Fantastic news. And Ruby Tui is that woman. What a rugby story that has been this year. We'll play Show Me The Money. We'll play The Vault. We'll tell you what's happened back in the day. So much, so much stuff. You are going to enjoy our biggest moments of sport 2020. Um, I'm actually looking. I haven't heard the finished product. I listen at the same time as you. Uh, the Halberg nominations are out. Kane Williamson stepped down from the captaincy. So instead of giving you one subject to talk about, Midday Madness is only half an hour today because we've got so much to get through. We finish at three. Phoenix Nation, three to four, the great football show, thanks to Oppo. But afternoons with Staffy is thank you to Gull 
fueling your mission all year round. And uh, I think in breaking news, stand by, stand by. Um, I think they sent me, I think they sent me, they have. This is gull, isn't it? They've dropped the prices by 20 cents a litre. Seven o'clock today to midday tomorrow. Fuel up, champions, for your Christmas road trip. You've got between now and midday tomorrow, 20 cents off their already economical fuel. Gold, that's why you're champions. Gold.nz. Go and jump on there, find out where your nearest one is, and in the next 24 hours, you can get 20 cents off their already cheap price. Champions go. Righto, um, where do we start? Kane Williamson has stepped down from the test captaincy. Tim Southey has stepped up to the test captaincy. Is that good? I want your feedback. I want your thoughts. Uh, the nominees are out for the Hellbergs. Thoughts on these? I'll, I'll run through these. Looks like there's about 20 names in each one. So they will get them down to, I think they end up on the night with four or five, don't they? So the big names in the men's, Aaron Gate, um, Ajas Patel, Adi Savia, Dylan Schmidt, our trampolinist, uh, Hamish Kerr, the high jumper, Hayden Wild, James McDonald. James McDonald, best jockey in the world. Got a nomination. Joey Manu, Lewis Clearbert, Paul Cole, Nico Porteous, Ryan Fox, Sam Gaze, SVG, Stevie Yelka. Oh my gosh, Tom Walsh, look at that. Uh, Sportswoman of the Year, names that jump out to me, Elise Andrews, Emma Twig, Jess Hodder, Joelle King, um, Dame Lisa Carrington, Lydia Coe, uh, Neve Fisher-Black, uh, our World Cycling Road Champion, Portia Woodman, uh, Ruhe DeMont, Teresa Fitzpatrick, Zoe Sadowski, Senate Team of the Year, Black Ferns, oh, um, Coach of the Year, um, Wayne Smith, <laughs> um, and Emerging Talent as well. So there's, there's probably about 100 names here, so I can't get through them all. But Halberg nominations are out. Kane Williams has stood down as test captaincy. I want your feedback on that. 0800 811. It's midday madness. You've only got till 12.30. Give us a yell. Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. <laughs> Lots of calls coming in. Let's go first of all to Life Members Aid. G'day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon. Um, on the um, Halberg Awards, um, I don't want to be mean or anything here, but um, it would be nice for someone else to get, I think, Woman of the Year other than Lisa Carrington this year. If someone's outperformed her, I have no issue with that. Because she seems to get... I know she does well every year, but I don't think this year was Olympic year, was it? So maybe someone else, maybe Elise Andrews could be good, or um, she did quite well at the Commonwealth Games, or um, it'd be cool to see DeMont from the Black Ferns get it. And that there's only one team that needs to get team of the year. It has to be the Black Ferns, doesn't it? I would imagine so. Uh, the other teams are a squash doubles team, a mixed doubles squash team, a rowing pair, um, cycling mountain bike enduro team, and the New Zealand eventing team. I think we can put the circle around the Black Ferns to win that. And for male of the year, I've got one. It might be a bit out of the round, but it has to be Paul Cole. Paul Cole's got a nomination, yes. Yeah. He's been in, to get to number one in the world. He dominated the Commonwealth Games, had two gold medals. I reckon he, he, he's been one of the best male athletes all year, you know? Yeah. AJ Patel, 10 wickets, though. Aaron Gate, four gold medals, yeah, though. 
James yeah. McDonald, number one jockey in the world. There's a lot of good athletes up there. We're lucky, mate. We're lucky. Zade, we've got a scoop. We've got lots of calls. Good to hear from you, buddy. Let's go to Mikey. Oh, Kane Williamson. Um, oh. um, yeah, I wish he would have stepped down as one day and white ball captain and kept the test captain. Yeah. Nice. Nice, nice. All right, Zade. We've got to yeah. keep going, buddy. Right, thank Thanks for calling. Uh, Mikey Christchurch. G'day, buddy. <laughs> G'day. <laughs> he jumped in on me. Wouldn't let me let him go. <laughs> No, it's all it's all good. Why not? Too. Um, I wouldn't want to be a judge on that in that panel. My oh, God, there's just so much. There is uh, so much. Uh, I mean, whoever they choose, someone's going to be upset. A lot of people will be happy. You know, I, I don't know. I think uh, I just say good luck to him. Um, Kane Williamson. I think he's done everything in reverse here. Just, <laughs> I would have thought of, for me, be the other way round. One day captain and, and uh, test. But uh, good luck to Southie. I really, really do like him. Mm. Um, so yeah, good luck to him. I just really rang just to say uh, have a great holiday for you guys, um, Captain K, Sammy, and yourself. Um, it's been a stunning year. I think you guys just improve year on year, and I'm not sure what the hell I'm going to listen to for the next two or three weeks while I'm <laughs> working outdoors. So uh, yeah, cheers for the show. It's just been awesome. Um, and also big shout out to Sammy to win the Crusaders won and I know he's not a Crusaders fan but he did play the theme song when I was on the on the thing and it just made my day <laughs> so um, <laughs> good on him he's, he's a good man and uh, other than that uh, I look forward to um, Crusaders being the one of the best um, things that you talk about um, when you got top four coming so I'm sure they'll be part of it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm sure I've triggered a few people around the country with that one. So, yeah, you uh, have. Good on you, mate. Good on you, Mikey. Cheers, <laughs> bud. And fear not with uh, Mikey and the rest of you. We are staying on air. It's just uh, the shows will change a little bit, a little bit more festive, but we are going to be here right the way through. We go to Scott in Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph. How you going? Good, thanks. Scott? Um, just obviously want to touch base just on the, the Kane Williamson um, side of things. So, um, yeah, I think um, the last caller um, said it right. He's kind of done it a bit in reverse. And, um, you know, I, I think for him it'll, it'll be good in one way, though, giving up one of the captaincies. I, I personally think if he had given up all three um, and just, just concentrated on himself, um, yeah, sort of look at uh, Root and Coley with them giving up the captaincy, how well they've done recently. Um, and, and, I mean, hopefully that'll that'll come through with him as well. Um, no, nothing against Sally getting the captaincy and, and the test side of things, but I just found it a little bit unusual that it wasn't Latham when Latham's the one that seems to have been groomed the whole time that um, Williamson's been captain. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And um, and probably positionally um, keeping, um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one, but, yeah, I've got no... No issue with Tim, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was Tom Latham as well. Um, Yeah, I don't know the rationale, but um, we're hoping to talk to Ian Smith later on today at some stage. He's over in Australia. He'll have some some thoughts on it as well, I'm sure. Oh, no, that'll be good to hear his thoughts definitely on that. And, um, yeah, just on the the Halbergs, just on the... um Men's Sportsman of the Year. I'd love to see J-Mac get it. I, I think he's, you know, what he's done, um, especially on the international stage, has just been incredible. And um, he's won me a lot of money over time, which has been great. <laughs> yeah, and like, they work so hard, jockeys, you know, and for him to be the number one in the world, voted internationally to be the number one jockey in the world is phenomenal. 
it is. It mm. is. So, no, I think he thoroughly deserves that. And um, yeah, just as well, if I don't get to talk to you guys again, uh, Merry Christmas to all, uh, all three of you. And um, I'm going to keep using Sam's um, extractor fan joke um, throughout the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good on you, Scott. Cheers, mate. Uh, let's go to Graham. Great Tanny Farm man. Top of the south at the moment. Top of the day to you, Graham. Kia ora, staff. Um, yeah, just quickly, a couple of things. As Mikey said, thank you to you guys for the show you, you've given us. It's, it's just been a great year with some really cool talk back. Uh, so to Staffy, to young Sam, and to young um, Captain K, all the best for the Christmas and New Year. Stay safe. To my fellow listeners and talkbackers like uh, Mikey and Dino from Dunedin, uh, our Matua, um, Ed from Tolaga, Tolaga Bay, Graham from who's in Wainua, Mata sometimes, <laughs> Joey from up there in Gizzy. Thank you all very much. The banter's it's good fun, and um, I hope you all stay safe uh, and go well. And we'll talk again next year. And a quick shout out to Zay, young Zay and um, Ken. Come over to the dark side, man, and, and just support the Crusaders for one season. Your lives will be so much more fulfilled. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, thanks very much, Steph, for putting up with us. Eh? You know, like some of us have some weird ideas when we ring up, but it's always a pleasure talking to you guys and young Sam. I hope his family goes well over Christmas. Yeah. And we appreciate it, mate. You don't realise how much we appreciate it. It's good fun. Uh, uh, we so, appreciate um, you too, mate. That's um, awesome. So just... Just quickly on Cade, I would have thought he would have gone from the T20. He's obviously still wants to try and make some cash. That's why he's stuck with it. But yeah, and with Tim Southie, I would have thought he's a little bit old to be named captain. Actually, like he's 34. How long has he got to go? I would have thought maybe they would have freshened it up a bit. I don't have. I'm not against him in any way, but I just thought maybe they would have freshened freshened it up a bit. But go well, to, you know, I hope he does well. You know, I like Tim Southey. He's been a massive servant to this country, cricket-wise. Mm. Um, and, and he probably deserves the honour, to be fair. He's probably earned it. So yeah. go well. And go well, everybody. Steph, take care, mate, and we'll talk in the new year. Jeez. But I'll be listening over the summertime anyway, but sitting in my tractor. But, um, Good boy. Yeah, go well, mate. Enjoy, really enjoy talk, listening and talking to you, mate. Yep. And Stay we, safe, bro. Cheers, mate. Uh, Graham there, great man. Um, a regular caller, regular texter. I always appreciate his and everybody's company, actually. Um, down to Dunedin we go talk to another great man, Cliff. G'day, Cliff. Yeah. Good afternoon, staff. Yeah. And a Merry Christmas to you, if I haven't said that yet. Um, yeah, great, great show, SENZ. You know, when you first, when they first talked to coming on, I thought, oh, maybe it'd be too much racing. You know, I could put up a little bit of racing, but but this show, the whole the whole station is it's just top quality. Guys, you guys have got some great blokes there. You know, yourself, Ricardo, Smitty, boys on the Brecky show, got good knowledge and uh, good listeners and put it out there, and, uh, yeah, top-notch. But going back to um, the Captain Kane, you know, I'm a bit of a struggler why he gives up the test captaincy. You know, that that was probably the the captaincy that he did best in. You know, it wasn't as much pressure. He didn't have to play all the time. You know, I look back over the last few years, they put teams out. They sent a team to Bangladesh, captained by... Latham. It was a it was a sort of a second sort of second string twenty twenty side, but they've never really built on it. And um, 
Mason came back into the team in the 50 overs and, and batted really well. And I thought to myself, look, Mason, as a batsman, as a keeper, as a genuine all-round player, he deserved to be the captain. Look, I've got nothing against Southie, but to me, Southie's in his very twilight. You know, he's, he's still a good bowler on his day, but it's, an opening bowler to me never really is the best place to be a captain. And to me, Latham, he should have been given the captaincy of the test team because he's filled in already on it. And it just doesn't work with me that that, uh, that they've gone to Saudi. They've got to look at the next guy. The next guy in the team, now, who do you look for? It would have to be someone like Mitchell or or uh, the boy from South Africa. But, yeah, it's a bit negative. We'll see what Smitty says. But, look, hey, cheers for the, for the show. Uh, you have a good Christmas. And um, the boys will the boys will keep the place running smoothly while you're away. Of course they will, of course they will, Cliffy. Always good to hear from you, bud. You have a good Christmas and New Year with you and yours. Um, and we'll catch up with you next year. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, Ian Smith is going to join us. He'll take us up to the news. Um, let's see what he's got to say on the cricket situation. Back after a break with Ian Smith. Well, the big cricket news, of course, is Kane Williamson has taken off the captain's armband and Gary Stead's going to put it around Tim Southey's arm. Joining us now, um, the very wonderful colleague of ours here at SNZ, currently not here, currently in Australia doing a fine job, Smithy. Ian Smith, welcome in. Hey, Staff, how's it going? Good, mate. Very good. I actually pre-recorded a chat with Mike Hesson earlier today and, and I said, what do you reckon about the speculation? I reckon he'll park the white ball captaincy, but he said, no, I think it'll be test. Uh, albeit he probably already knew. But uh, did it surprise you or did you see it coming? Yep. No, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, you know, to be the test captain is the ultimate goal um, for a lot of people and the, the ultimate honour for a lot of people. I know he's had it for a while. Um, you know, and it's not uh, like a, a new thing for him, but he would have treasured it. So I didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I would have thought maybe the white ball side of things, focus on the test, he'll be a white ball batsman, but yeah, still be the ultimate. Um, so to hand that up, uh, quite a big shock for, for me, Staff, to be fair. Okay, so get over that shock. Are you still shocked they gave it to Tim Southey? We've had a lot of feedback that people thought maybe Tom Latham could have been the guy. Yeah, look, that's the other thing. I am very surprised at that. I just thought um, if you're going to leave, uh, give it away to someone else, then Tom Latham's been the man. Um, he's been the guy that's sort of, uh, he's had that honour, and I, I keep saying that, uh, for quite some time when Kane Williamson hasn't been around, and that's been often. So I, I just thought that was, that was a natural progression. Uh, he works well with Gary Stead on the same wavelength. Both Cantabrians, of course, and maybe that's the reason why. If you think deeply, that's one of the reasons why New Zealand need to go in a different direction, test-wise. I was thinking, and it certainly hasn't come out in any of the press releases, that in discussions with Tim Southey, either A, Tom Latham's turned it down, or B, they've said to Tim, we want you to do it for a couple of years. We've got someone younger in mind, long-term. Do you want to do it for a couple of years? Again, left guessing. Yeah. Uh, look, I, for one, don't think Tom Latham would have turned down the New Zealand Test captaincy uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Can't see him being um, in a position to turn it down. Uh, two, um, yeah, well, it can only be a couple of years because I don't think Tim Southey's going to go forever. Um, mm-hmm. and he is, he's a workhorse, he's a Trojan, and, and a, he'll go as long as he can, but it's pretty much a, a temporary thing. And uh, the other one is, who's the young guy we're talking about here? 
uh, who is who is the the one they're trying to groom to go through and take it over from that point onwards. I can't I can't see the answer to that question within the unit. To be perfectly honest, I I don't see anything anyone in the in the batting side of things that you could turn around apart from Latham himself. Um, and and uh, aside from that, I, I, I don't see. Uh, Tom Blundell being the, the test captain, uh, and I, I don't see Henry Nichols being the test captain. So, where it comes from, uh, staff, and who they've got in mind, I do not know. Whether there's someone floating through first class cricket, they're going to get in and fast track him into the captaincy. I don't, I, I, I don't know because I haven't seen him if he's there. Mm. Uh, one more thing before we go, Smithy, because you know the rules trains on time for the news, etc. Um, the nominees are out for the Halbergs, and James McDonald has made the nomination list. Yep, and so he should. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's a great honour. Won't win it. can tell you right here and now, <laughs> won't win it. <laughs> yeah, if you imagine giving it to a jockey. I mean, I, I've, 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 the, the, the male, um, uh, look, I, I don't know who'd win it. I, I really don't know who the male uh, would win the, the Hellberg Awards. Uh, nah, I can't. I'll tell you what, right here and now, it won't be James McDonald. But he deserves uh, he deserves his nomination. I back him to the hilt. Yeah, I just hope he makes the the cut to the final five because I've named about twenty. But geezy, the competition: Aaron Gate, AJS Patel, Adi Savia, Ryan Fox, Paul Cole, Nico Purius, Shaman Gisberg, and Stevie Yelka, <laughs> and that's just half of them. Um, we're yeah. blessed. We're pretty blessed as a sporting nation. We're blessed. Stevie Yelka should be in there too. Uh, won't be, but um, you know those, those are guys who have. Um, been friends to all our shows, etc. But yeah, like uh, as you say, um, tough year to tough year to win it. Um, but Jane, Jane Mack, no, 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 <laughs> Jane, no, no, no. I guess oh, that someone yeah. has to twist an arm pretty hard to just make the more nominations. Hey, Smithy, I want to wish you a very merry Christmas. I won't, I won't talk to you again until we reconvene in the new year. It's fantastic to have you part of the crew here at SCNZ. You bring authenticity and credibility to the station and you're a really valuable member. And uh, missed you on the airways, but loving you in the cricket, mate. Uh, I wish you and your lovely wife and all your kids and whatever you're up to, all the very best. Steph, um, I, I'll, take that, uh, I'll take that on board, mate. That's, that's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's it's been great uh, this um, uh, this time with the uh, S. Uh, SCNZ, it's been wonderful actually to be able to link with uh, new people broadcasting, etc. And all I can say is, mate, uh, ditto, ditto back to you, um, mate. Without uh, a spine, most people or most things are jellyfish, mate. We'd be jellyfish without you. So good luck, mate. Have have um, have a, a great Christmas yourself. We'll see you early in the new year, man. Brilliant, Ian Smith. Thank you, sir. Let's go to new sport and weather right now. Thank you, Johnny Mack. Uh, so good to catch up with Smithy over there in Australia. I do love him on the cricket commentary, and I love him on the mornings with Smithy here. Um, and we'll all be back together as a big happy SENZ family after Christmas and New Year celebrations. Righto. Um, time for number four, biggest sporting moments of 2022. Just a, I'll give you the refresher because some of you may not have heard all of them. I do encourage you to go and have a listen, though. Um Number 10 was the Black Caps beating Australia in the first T20 World Cup. Number 9, Liam Lawson getting a Formula 1 drive. Number 8, the sad death of Shane Warne. Number 7 was Paul Cole becoming World Squash number 1. Number 6 was Wellington's MPC Ranfurly Shield um, success this year. Number 5 was Aaron Gates' four Commonwealth Games gold medals. 
Here's number four. The biggest sporting moments of 2022. Number four. One of New Zealand's favourite Kiwis, Lydia Ko, was born in Seoul, Korea in 1997 and emigrated with her family at four years old. She started playing golf the following year, aged five, at Pupuki Golf Club on Auckland's North Shore under the tutelage of her first coach, Guy Wilson. At the ripe old age of seven, she competed in her first New Zealand National Amateur Championships. Aged 13, Lydia finished second in the New South Wales Open on the Australian Professional Tour and the following year won the same tournament and becoming the youngest person ever to win a professional tournament. After finishing second last year, Ko went one better to be on her own in golfing folklore. She almost crowned the achievement in spectacular style, hitting the pin at the 18th. Rounds of 69, 64, 69 won it for Coe, a 14 under par total for a memorable four shot win. My mind's basically gone white. I, I can't really think much and um, all I really know is I'm really happy and I played good golf out there the last three days. So I'm happy and people back in New Zealand will be happy and Making history is just amazing. Seven months later, she became the youngest ever winner on the LPGA Tour, when as a 15-year-old amateur, she collected the Canadian Open title, a feat she would repeat the following year also, still as an amateur. Having been the top-ranked amateur in the world for nearly three years, Lyd started her professional career in 2014. She won three times in her debut season and also unsurprisingly picked up the LPGA Rookie of the Year. In 2015, Lydia won five tournaments including her home New Zealand Open, the Canadian Open for the third time and her first major championship, the Evian Championship. Yeah, you know, uh, Jason told me to just enjoy the moment, and uh, you know, any tournament, it's it's hard to come, you know, down the 18th, uh, you know, with <laughs> the five-shot lead, and to do it at a, in a major, it's an even better feeling. Uh, and you know, I didn't know I'd make the putt, so I said to Lexi, I'll ju- I'll just go anyway, and. I ended up dropping, so uh, you know, lucky I didn't have like a three-footer to you know for par. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, it was just such an amazing feeling, you know, walking across the bridge and you know saying thank you to you know all the fans that came up. It was also the first year that she reached number one golfer in the world. Then, in the stretch of 2017 to 2020, Co played in 89 events without a victory. 2021 arrived, and we saw glimpses of form starting to return, a solitary win on the tour and a bronze medal at the Olympics. Going into 2022, her world ranking had plummeted. The previous five years had seen multiple coaching changes, equipment changes, caddy changes, criticism, the whole lot. But she started that season with renewed belief and a settled team around her. The Gainsbridge LPGA saw Lydia break the wind drought. 
and then a very emotional win in the country of her birth, Korea, at the BMW Ladies' Championship at Wanju, a place less than 100 miles from where she was born. Lydia Ko is looking better than ever. She's on her way back to the top of the women's game. Lydia is a past Supreme Helberg winner, a Queen's Honours List recipient, a multiple tournament and major winner. But maybe her biggest achievement has been her ability to ignore the naysayers, keep soldiering on, and in true Kiwi fashion, climb her own Everest back to the number one golfer in the world. This achievement is our number four biggest sporting moment of 2022. Lydia Ko found her own way. These just give me goosebumps. I'm such a proud Kiwi. I'm such a patriotic person and so delighted for Lydia. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, good stuff. All right. We'll just take a short break. On the other side, we're going to catch up with the CEO of Greyhound Racing New Zealand. His name is Edward Rennell. They've been filing reports, and I just wanted a bit of a state of the nation with Edward. He'll come up after this. Joined now by Edward Rennell. He is the CEO of Greyhounds New Zealand. Been in the position since September 1. Uh, your feet have been barely under the desk, Edward, and you've you've submitted your State of the Nation report to the industry, to the, uh, the sorry, the Minister of Racing on Monday. Could you, could you sort of maybe tell us, Edward, what brought about the need for the report and uh, are you allowed to tell us what was in it? Thanks, thanks, Mark. Uh, good afternoon to you and afternoon listeners. Um, the review, there was a review of Greyhound Racing uh, back in 2017 by, um, which was the, the, the Hanson Report. Um, that clearly identified that there were issues with respect to the standards of animal welfare within the industry. There was a follow-up report being undertaken by um, Sir Bruce Robertson and um, and I think that report was September 21 that concluded. Now, that noted there had been progress, but clearly um, believed there had been insufficient progress by the greyhound industry to address the concerns raised in that earlier report around animal welfare. So at the time, the Minister then um, appointed the Race Integrity Board to undertake a review of the progress that um, Greyhound Racing New Zealand was making and addressing those recommendations, and they were... Um, scheduled to report back to the Minister on the 12th of December, which they did. Um, at the same time, Greyhound Racing, we put in our own report to the Minister outlining all the steps that have been taken um, over the last 15 months to enhance you know, our processes, systems, rules and procedures to try and you know, outline the steps we've taken to improve animal welfare and that it is paramount to everything we do. And it'd be an ever-evolving creature, wouldn't it, in that um, it's constant improvement. So while you acknowledge that there has been um, improvements, and I think everyone has to acknowledge that, what are, you, what are your next steps? Yeah, I think that, that was the thing of our, our, the submission we put into the Minister. We've done a lot of things, uh, but we've got other things planned as well. Uh, and you know, in particular, you know, 
addressing some of the system legacy issues we've had and tightening up to ensure that every greyhound you know, is accounted for from birth through to rehoming. But the other you know, key issues, we've, we've got a, we'll call it an in, injury reduction strategy. Now, there's no one thing to that, um, but it's, uh, it's multifaceted, um, there's a number of components. And the first one is it's around, re- you know, we're trying to reduce the racing incidents. Now, two strategies we have there is to, we're looking at the implementation of a straight track at Wanganui, and we will look at another one um, in the South Island in 2024, but the Wanganui straight track is currently being built and should be um, open for racing in April of next year. And that will reduce some of the collisions that happen and cause injuries during a race. Um, the other thing we've done, which is quite unique, we trialled from May um, preferred box draw racing for C1 groups. Um, and basically under that, a dog, you know, the trainers indicate what their dog's racing tendencies are, if they're a railer or they run out wide. And then we allocate the draws based on their preference. So what we've found since we've introduced that trial is the number of you know, the pleasing rate of serious injuries has reduced because um, we've seen less contact, particularly in sprint races, going up to that first bend. So we will be looking to you know, extend that further in 2023 to other grades. Yeah, I was going to say then, there must be a natural inclination to move it past uh, Class 1 um, and through other grades. Yep, like from Manukau is reopening on Sunday and all sprints at Manukau will be preferred box draws. So... Um, and it's a case of we've, we've looked to trial it, the results are promising, and now we're looking to, you know, we'll, we'll extend it on, uh, across each, each venue. So that's how we look to reduce, you know, one of the strategies around reducing racing incidents. Second aspect of what we're looking to do um, in terms of injury reductions was assessing and reducing risk factors that cause injuries. So we've changed the rules around weight variation. So what yeah, the analysis of injuries indicated dogs that were um, more than 4% above or below um, were more in their weight from their previous start were more prone to injury. So mm. we've now introduced a requirement if a dog's not within 4% of the weight of what it was at its previous start, it will be scratched. Um, and that's purely around you know looking to reduce one of the risk factors of injuries. Mm. So... The other changes we're looking at making there was some uh, take effect from 1 February is reducing um, the, the frequency of how many times a dog can race in a week and a month you know, to twice a week and seven times a month, so that's the maximum. But the other key part in our re- reduction strategy, the third part, was just improving our track design and maintenance. So we've employed a leading track expert from Australia and Bill Wilson, who's our racing safety and infrastructure manager. And Bill you know, brings expert knowledge in terms of track design and track management. And she will work with each of our um, track curators around the six venues and ensure that, you know, increase the professionalism and the quality of track that we're providing for racing to ensure, you know, try and minimise the incidents that can be blamed on the track. So, you know, track safety is paramount and um, we'll put in a lot of emphasis into that area. Oh, I'm liking what I'm hearing, Edward. Um, safety, uh, the the dog is paramount and um, it, we could say it's well overdue, but at least it's happening now and so good signs for the future and I'm looking forward to straight track racing at Wanganui. That'll be That'll be fun. That'll be awesome um, running yeah. in a straight line. I've seen it in Australia and it's, exciting, and it's an exciting event. 
theatre, so it's currently being built. Now, Mark, um, what will surprise a lot of listeners, it's actually going to be grass, uh, so it'll be the only grass track um, greyhound venue in the country, um, and it will be a, cent- a centre lure, so there'll be no running rail, the, the lure will just it'll be dragged down the middle of the, the, the race course. So similar to what you see, I think, with Capella Bar. Mm. So, something different, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. Good stuff, Edward. Uh, good news. Um, all the very best for a, a fantastic Christmas to you and all your staff. You do a great job there at Greyhound Racing. And um, just as a side note, thank you. I don't even know if you're aware. You, your fine uh, organisation give us $50 each week to put on a Greyhound to raise money for uh, charities right across this station. And we've raised some some good money for our chosen charities across, across the whole station. So thanks very much for that and um, have a fantastic Christmas. Yeah, same to you, like it on behalf of Jagger and Zeb, we really appreciate all the support and help we get from you and your, uh, the team there at SCNZ, so yeah, we don't um, take it for granted, so thank you and all the best for Christmas yourself. Brilliant, Edward. Um, take care. Okay, cheers, mate. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. Let's go harnessing, Sammy. Uh, of course, this is raising money for the great man, David Italian, BBM Butterbean Motivation. Oh. Sorry, I was telling him to shut the door when he leaves. Bit rude, isn't it? Just yeah. leaving the door wide open? <laughs> so I just had to tell him that. Did that come through? Yeah. Um, let's go to Addington tomorrow, Steph, for our harness horse. Um, and may I, may I remind you, we are slightly behind in the harness, but making our way up. Right. Um, so we're currently in last place, but we're getting there. We got a win last week. So uh, I'm going to go for Addington tomorrow. Race number five. Mark, can you find something for me there? Right. So there's no trainer driver. So that's the first thing I look for. I know you're a fan of Sam Otley mm. um, and Stella Adem, but I think you'll probably go Silk. Is that the name of the horse? Yes. Uh, and no. Incorrect. Clue? Um, mm, one word say, or two words? Uh, one word. Okay. Two Sh- syllables. Chambray. Yeah. Is it like hombre? Yeah, chambre. 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 It's, it's, it's like that yeah. light blue shirt. Oh, okay. It's a chambre shirt. Johnny uh-huh. Cox, Purden Cullen trained. Um, I think this horse raced in the Oaks, actually. Did it? Yeah. In the Oaksies. In the Oaks. In the Oaksies. <laughs> and was trapped for a run. I don't mind yeah. that one. Yeah, I don't mind it all. No odds, obviously. None yet. Oh, it'll be. It'll pay a lot. Don't okay. worry. Okay. Don't worry. You, I trust, trust me on that one, Steph. All Next. Right, um, I'll pick a dog for you. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. <laughs> uh, we are flying, Steph, in, the, in the dogs. Uh, rough, rough, rough. Uh, 1,000, over 1,000 smackaroos at the moment. We're, we're well ahead of everyone else. Um, I don't want to bring up Smithy's total because that would be mean, but it's very low. Um, race number five. Today. What? Oh, today. At the ads. At the ads. Oh, dear. Are, we gonna, are, we, are you going to tell me it's on during the show? No, it's not. Thank goodness we don't have time. Um, it's a sprint. Yes. It's over 295 metres. Now, two things I've picked this one on, Steph. Mm. Name. Name, very important. But also, you know, the one that I love the most, the, the draw that I love the most. You like the red rug. Mm. You like an epic rooster. Love it. <laughs> I love an epic rooster. Charlie said to me, he said, here's your choice of which ones you want to take. And he read out the names to me. And just as soon as he said epic rooster, I said, I don't care 
how bad it is as a dog, where it's racing, what number it's drawn, whatever. Give me Epic Rooster. Give me Epic Rooster. Actually trained by Janine McCook, which is Annie McCook's wife, I think. Okay. Um, they are up to their ears in What's Greyhounds. the odds? What's it at? 220. I'll take that. Little, little fish are yeah, sweet. Yeah, a little salt. little salt and a steak. <laughs> Give it to me. The late pea sauce. Have you ever put peanut butter on steak? Never. That sounds atrocious. Satay beef, I call it. I guess, yeah. Satay. Thank yeah, that you. might work. Thank okay, you. picks. Picks? Use picks. Picks peanut butter? Yes, crunchy. Okay. Here's some news. Welcome back in. Thank you for the news. As you do every half hour, Johnny Mac, you're a great man. Um, text from Chris saying thanks to all your daily shows, hosts and producers, all your humour. Christmas and New Year's greetings from the great man Chris and Foxton. Thank you, Chris, down there in the Fox Town of New Zealand. I always thought that was a lame sign as you drove into Foxton, the Fox Town of New Zealand. Um, Hamish likes that there's a new Red Bull cricket captain. I'm I'm okay with it too, actually. I'm okay with it if we can. If it's going to suit Kane, suits me, suits me well. Um, had another text in from a listener asking me not to read it and not to identify, him, but we got your text and uh, go well. It's about all I can say. <laughs> Wait, but, was that the one that didn't want to be identified? Yeah, but thanks for letting us know. Yeah, and um, if you want to, careful. I know. I would like to be in the position that person's in. Can I say that much? You can say that. Okay. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Um, did, champion. Did, did, did Johnny Mac just mention the news, the Breakers story? No. Nope. I'm not sure if I he mentioned that, but I just got it sent through by um, Logan Swinkles from the Mornings crew. Um, so apparently seven Breakers have COVID and another three are injured, so they've had to postpone their game against the Wildcats. I'll play. You'll go, yeah? Yeah. Not a layup. I was in the Palmy Boys B team. That's w- right, yeah. Went to the Nationals with an extended squad. Ah. Saw 30 seconds court time at the Nationals. Oh, did you score a bucket? Hell no. Oh, okay. Well, probably defensively you stop something. I so. finished with no shots, uh, no assists, one foul. Plus minus? Eh? Hey? You're like, you know, you're on court for any buckets that your team scored? Uh, we've probably got one, and okay. I gave away a foul. <laughs> that was it. Look, not going to say those are strong stats, strong number stats. You're certainly not going to win the Michael Jordan MVP award. No, no. And there will be no basketball trophies named after me. Yeah. Let's find out what's making news. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? It's sort of catching you off guard, isn't it? It does every time. Um, right, a couple of quick stories here because I know we've got uh, plenty coming up on the show. Uh, this, and it's taken the best part of 12 months, Steph, might be one of my favourite stories of the year because police in London have broken into it. And I really hope Kez didn't bring this up the other day and here's what's making news. Police broke into a London art gallery to save a woman that was slumped unconscious over a table. Quite an ugly scene, as you can imagine, Steph. Uh, they got a call from someone, I, I imagine, in the gallery uh, about a person in distress. So they quickly rushed to the gallery. Obviously, it was all alarmed and locked up, so they unlock it, they unalarm it, etc. They go in, and they go to the slumped woman unconscious over the table, only to find that it was a mannequin, part of the art installation uh, that was on show in the art gallery. That's art. And the reason why it's my favourite story is because that's not the first time it happened. No. <laughs> 
apparently uh, this particular mannequin has caused trouble in the past because in October, paramedics were called to assist the exact same woman. So <laughs> when art meets life, Steph, oh. that's that's what happens. People people don't know the difference. Um, do you know what the most expensive substance on earth is? Uh, squintanium. Ooh, interesting. Now, I thought most people would say like gold or diamond or some yeah, some form of uh, mineral. It probably doesn't surprise you, though, that it's um, antimatter. Explain. Well, antimatter, so everything, we're obviously made of matter, and they reckon that almost on a one-to-one basis, there is antimatter for every bit of matter, right? That's why they built that big, large hydron collider, the big circle in Europe, mm. was to try and create antimatter. They reckon that one gram of antimatter would cost 62 trillion dollars and now to put that in perspective uh the world's economy they reckon is going to hit 104 trillion at the end of this year so one gram of antimatter is basically half the world the world economy one gram where do you get it from you got to make it in the in the big hydrogen collider that's how they that's how they got the price because they worked out how much it's going to cost to make and that's what they've said to that let's make one yeah, I reckon we could. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dr. Afro, that's what we had in here yesterday. He's probably yeah. one of the most intelligent men I've ever met. Get him on board. Let's let's get him on board. Um, and just one final story to finish, Steph. A man in Argentina um, was a little bit overeager to get home for the Argentina World Cup semi-final. Uh, he was on a bus uh, going to, uh, you know, obviously going home, and the bus driver stopped at a traffic light and thought, and the bus was full, uh, he stopped the traffic light and thought, oh, I'm just going to jump down to the kiosk there and uh, buy a drink and a magazine while the light's red. So he goes down and he's obviously in line, he's taking a while, and a man on the bus was like, mate, I'm trying to get back for the bloody semi-final here. So he gets up the front, commandeers the bus, full of people, and drives it to his house. <laughs> <laughs> he stole a bus just so he can watch it. And apparently the reporters, he didn't make it back in time anyway. <laughs> he missed the game. Oh, so he I didn't even make it there. Oh, the Argentinians, man, they love their football. They absolutely love their football. And uh, the Argentinians love to play. Fact of the day to finish, Steph. Yes. According to research, you make, and just heads up on this because I know we've got all the races on in the studio, you make better financial decisions when your bladder is full. Do you need a pee? I need a pee and I just back the winning greyhound. Oh, money for jam. I really need to pee, so give me the TAB app right now. <laughs> we will take a break. I tell you what, do not go anywhere. The number three biggest sporting moment of 2022 is coming up after this break. You do not want to miss this one. The biggest sporting moments of 2022. Number three. The Rabbitohs win very comfortably here at Mount Smart. It's 31 to 10, the full-time score. 31 points to 10. The final score in the Warriors versus Rabbitohs game in their last home game of the 2019 NRL season. Little did that group know that as they walked off the hallowed turf of Mount Smart Stadium, that it would be the last time they did so for nearly three years. A ground they had called home for nearly 30 years would shut off its lights, and close its gates with not even the faintest idea of what was about to transpire in the next six months. 
The 2019 off-season came and went, and 2020 started as normal as any season would, only the world seemed to be changing at a daily rate. A global pandemic was shutting down countries around the world, but somehow New Zealand was steering clear. The Warriors had played just one game against the Knights, a 20 points to nil loss up at McDonald Stadium in Newcastle. But on March 19, 2020, as they prepared to fly home for a round two game against the Canberra Raiders, a bombshell was sent out over television screens and radio speakers. From 11.59pm tonight, we will close our border to any non-residents and citizens attempting to travel here. This will stop tourists or temporary visa holders, including students or temporary workers, from coming to and entering into New Zealand. Hearts sank, not just for friends and family wanting to return home, but for the Warriors, a team based in an Australian competition with Australia opposition and many Australian-born players was now stuck in Australia with a decision no one on earth would envy. Either move back to New Zealand, withdraw from the NRL and risk collapsing as a club entirely, or set up base permanently in Australia with no inclination on the horizon of when they would return home. After deliberation between players and their families, the club had made a decision. Um, Overnight, a significant amount of um, change happened with the borders obviously being restricted for various people in the Australia as well as New Zealand. Uh, that, that meant that we had to go back to the table and talk to the NRL and talk to the playing group and the coaching staff and so forth. And um, as a result of that, we had another discussion this morning and, and it's, it's really great to be able to stand here and, and advise the public and our fans and our sponsors that the, the team, along with their families, um, have made a decision with our support to stay in the competition, stand tall, stand proud on behalf of the Vodafone Warriors and stand alongside the rugby league fraternity in Australia and New Zealand during a tough period and, and be there and, and lead the way. And um, just really proud of Roger and Stephen and the boys and their families for making this decision. Um, the NRL need us now. We're there, we're standing tall and we're very proud of doing that for our fans and our families. Images emerged of players saying goodbye to families, kids not wanting to let their dad leave, and wives with tears in their eyes, not knowing how long it would be before they next see their husband. The club set out on a journey that no one, not even the most prudent of soothsayers, could have predicted. They fumbled their way through the 2020 season to finish in 10th spot on the ladder, two wins outside the top eight. As 2021 rolled on, Any thoughts of returning home were quickly dashed with harsh MIQ requirements, further travel restrictions and lockdowns, dreaded lockdowns. That season took a particularly nasty toll on the team as they slumped to 12th and perhaps more disappointingly lost their captain, star player and club icon Roger Tuivasashek to rugby union. The effects on the players was clear as Sean Johnson, who would return to the club in 2021, shared with the public. Part of the reason why you decided to join the Warriors, I guess, in a way, was to you know, be closer to family and play back home. Yep. How tough is it now being away from yeah, it's, your wife and your child? Um, bro, it sucks. Look, I don't think there's a harder thing I could do, having to see my daughter grow up through FaceTime and daily updates through photos. Um, there are moments I just can't get back, bro. So it's, 
<clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's not ideal and it's not what any of us want, but um, I'm very lucky that I still get the chance to actually provide you know, for my daughter and for my wife. By the end of 21, remarkably, it had been over two years since the Warriors last played at Mount Smart, but the news wasn't all bad. The Warriors were gearing up for a return home in 2022, with predictions firmly on border restrictions easing and MIQ rules relaxing. That was until early February, when it became increasingly difficult for the Warriors to plan for a return. They were forced to put their homecoming plans against the Panthers in June on hold, although perhaps this was for the best, as the Panthers riding hot again to start the 2022 season following their Premiership win the year before. But then on April 12, 2021, another bombshell. Good afternoon. Today I'm announcing the next stage in our border reopening work. Today I can confirm from 11.59pm Tuesday 12 April, vaccinated Australians can travel to New Zealand. The Warriors had their ticket. Immediately, the excitement, the expectation began to build as Cameron George announced July 3, 2022 as the official Warriors homecoming, 1,038 days since their last appearance at Mount Smart. Rugby league fans had been deprived of the NRL and their team for well over two years. The Warriors, though, had lost far more. Not only had they lost rabid Mount Smart Stadium and the Warriors faithful, they had lost connections with development pathways, sponsors, commercial opportunities, ticket sales, events, even their own staff working in the offices. But it didn't matter now. Rugby league was coming home. The Warriors playing back in New Zealand this year. For you personally, what will that moment mean to you? Bro, it's like... Yeah. I just, like, I, I, I can't actually um, verbalise, literally, what that will mean. It's like... so good I just know that they've just missed their league bro I, like, I can't even explain it bro like I, I literally can't like we get back there especially if we return home you know with a bit of a run you know like maybe won a couple of games on the trot who knows what it looks like but they will come out and they will blow the roof off us the problem the Warriors faced was the 2022 season did not start how they wanted at all there was unrest at the club rumors of players wanting out of contracts Coaches on the brink of being axed, and even worse, the club won just four games through 15 rounds. But that didn't phase Warriors fans. Mount Smart was sold out well before July 3 came round, and as it did, the buzz around rugby league in New Zealand began to build. Um, it's just nice to be home, and uh, to know that every seat in this stadium is going to be full on Sunday to welcome our boys out of the tunnel, uh, onto the field um, is really special for us all. It's buzzing. Um, you know, I've been with the team in Australia and it's there's a hollow feeling over there. You know, physically you're there, uh, structurally we're there um, with our training facility and so on, but we're missing that home feel. We're missing that the, the, the feeling that the fans fulfill. Um, and to be home now and so close to it allows us to be really excited and um, it's really fulfilling this week and that's something that the boys have missed out on. Pretty emotional, eh? Like, even driving the path from my house to Mount Smart, I called my dad saying, like, Dad, like, I'm doing it again, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's stuff that people just don't understand. 
you know, and when you care about a place as much as you know a lot of us do, um, to see those familiar faces still working in the office um, and see the emotion on their face giving me big warm hugs, it's like I haven't felt that in a long time. To be able to come home, I guess, at this time, um, and like I said, be able to reset, um, have something to really look forward to. Um, the boys are so pumped for this weekend. Um, getting to, I guess, play in front of our people, our supporters, our fan base um, is going to be really nice. And then it was here, July 3, 2022. The lights turned on, the gates were opened, and Warriors fans began flooding through to take their usual seats. As the side prepared to come onto the field, our very own Sammy brought forward a heartfelt corridor in the SENZ commentary box. The wind swings to the west, then turns into a southerly, making it prickly cold inland and piercingly cold at sea. May the dawn rise, red-tipped on ice, on snow, on frost. Join, gather, intertwine. 1,038 days. It's been 1,038 days since the Warriors, their fans, this team, have been able to join, gather and intertwine. 1,038 days since the theatre of Mount Smart Stadium last entertained the National Rugby League. And 1,038 days since this hallowed turf felt the familiar fondness of footsteps from its Warriors family. 27 years ago when a small city on an island in the South Pacific put its hands up and said, yeah, we'll give it a right crack. Rugby league in this country grew from legend into legacy. And this club began a journey that no other sport in this country could replicate. All done right here at Mount Smart Stadium. Memories, moments, masterpieces. Who can forget that first try from Phil Blake against the Broncos in 95? Or the preliminary final against Canberra in 02? Who can forget the images of Ruben Wickey steaming in off the back fence, eyes wide, mouth open? Or Sean Johnson stepping his way through an opposition? Stacey Jones chipping and chasing, Simon Mannering putting every ounce of blood and sweat into the jersey, or Kevin Campion, the engine that never stopped. No matter what your view of this organisation, no one can deny, they've given us one hell of a ride. But rugby league fans in this country have been deprived of that for the best part of three years. There's been empty seats, idle offices, unplugged scoreboards, barren car parks, the grass left to grow in an unusually uninterrupted manner. But that ends today. Today, the Warriors are home. When those gates open for the first time in nearly three years, there'll be tears, there'll be laughs, there'll be fans, young and old, flooding back into the theatre once more. If March 10, 1995 was symbolic of this club's rise, then today, July 3, 2022, is undoubtedly its rebirth. Regardless of what happens this afternoon, it will be a day laden with emotion. You see, this team means more than a scoreline, more than a position on a table, more than wins and losses, it represents a community and a family. Ladies and gentlemen, today that family is back home, back together where it belongs. The Warriors are back, Rugby League is back, and we're back. The players came storming out of the 1995 original tunnel. A rapturous applause went up from the Mount Smart faithful. Even enough to put hairs on the back of your neck, stand up on end on any man or woman's back. Then, game time. Here we go, Luke Brooks with the ball on the tee. 
1,038 days since the ball last sat there. It'll be the Warriors to receive. They're playing from left to right as we see it. This crowd is on their feet and we are underway. Luke Brooks with the kick all the way down towards the end goal and it's Volkman who holds it first. The Warriors were clearly pumped up and ready to show their fans something special. But the game seems stuttery to start and only two points, a penalty, separated the teams after 28 minutes. Then in the 29th minute, the Warriors captain, Torhu Harris, scored the Warriors' first try at Mount Smart in over three years. Here we go now with a skip pass. Here goes Toru Harris, and he's gone in. The first try scored. They're not going to need to check this one. That's an easy four-pointer. Kempe called it, and Toru Harris, the captain, gets the Warriors their first try of the homecoming. Yeah, Adam Fanua Blake there. All he does is he sucks them in the middle, gets some post-line meters, brings in three tacklers, and straight out of dummy half. They just run a clean sweep runner around the back. Jester Vargas sets up the lead runner. Toru Harris is the sweep runner and they go in untouched underneath the post to the eastern side of the grandstand. Great try. That was just what the crowd and the players needed as the confidence momentum quickly came flooding the Warriors' way. Last tackle now. Aitken's going to step in. Here's Volkman. Volkman going right to Johnson. Johnson putting a stab kick through. Underneath it'll be with Tenny Zalesniak. He's got good position. It bounces off his back. It lands down. And it looks like it's Harris Tavita with the try. And the Warriors have got number two. It'll be 12 points to nil. Still in the middle of the park now on last tackle. Lusset goes right to Johnson. Johnson looking for a little uh, up and under chip that goes to Tenny Zalesniak. He bats it backwards. Coming back to grab it was Jesse Arthurs. The young kid who dreamed of playing for the Warriors. From his days for the East Coast Bays, Barracudas has dotted down at Mount Smart for the Warriors' third try. And it's 20 points to two with five minutes to play. And that's how it would stay as the clock struck zero. Not only would the Warriors celebrate their first game in nearly three years at Mount Smart, they would also celebrate their first win on Auckland soil. They've planted it on their own end goal. Chris Sutton says, yep. The hands go in the air from the Warriors faithful. Jesse Arthurs is telling them about it. The ball goes into the crowd. They ain't coming back. Time is up. 22 points to two. The Warriors take it. Their homecoming game. The fairy tale complete. They're back home. They're back in the win column. And we're back, Kempe. What a game and what a way to welcome these boys home. The sight on the Mount Smart pitch was emotional. Some players were hunched over in tears, others laughing. Others smiling. Some had been with the club for two years and had never experienced the game at Mount Smart. The captain, Captain Fantastic, Torhu Harris, a man who inspires so many, both on and off the field, knew what it meant to everyone, not just the boys on the paddock. Oh, I'm you know, proud to be a part of this club. It's, it's a pretty special moment. Um, the support out here was, was, you know, it was unreal. And um, to have a performance like that on you know, on our home ground after a few years, it's, you know, it's, it, it feels pretty special, so I'm just grateful to be a part of it. We knew it was really important that that we sort of uh, put put some pride back in the jersey and, and um, remind people of what the, what the Warriors are about. Um, you know, you go back through the through the years, like with legends like Stace, you know, Campo, um, Arwen, they're, they're fighters, you know, sometimes literally, but, um, you know, they, they would fight right through the 80 minutes, so... We had to bring that resilience back, and I thought um, tonight, how we defended, I thought we um, we put some pride back in the jersey. The Warriors' season from there will continue to have its ups and downs, perhaps more downs than anything else. Nathan Brown departed as coach. Ewan Aitken, Matt Lodge, Reese Walsh—they were all granted releases, and the team finished 15th for one of its worst seasons on record in the NRL. 
but no one can take away that special day on July the 3rd. That will live long in many Kiwis sporting memories and in many ways it brought a close to one of the toughest eras in Warriors history. And that is why it sits at number three in our biggest sporting moments of 2022. Simply magnificent, Sammy Hewitt. Uh, I just want to let everyone know, while it was my voice, it was Sammy's work. It was his scripting, it was everything. I just came in and read that. Um, very, very moving. I was lucky enough to be there that day. Beautifully encapsulated, Sammy, with your words and your audio. Tremendous, tremendous. We'll be back after new sport and weather. Thank you, Johnny Mac. As I mentioned earlier today, I still fizzed about that Warriors piece, but as I mentioned earlier, I caught up with Mike Hesson earlier this morning. Here's our chat. S-E-N-Z. Time to talk some cricket now, and there is so much cricket coming up. It's unrelenting, actually, the Big Bash having just started, uh, but the one we're really looking forward to is New Zealand heading over to Pakistan, three one-days and two tests. And joining us is the man that used to lead the New Zealand cricket team, still very involved in cricket in the IPL, etc. Mike Hesson. Hess, welcome in. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, thanks, Steph. Good to chat. Um, New Zealand going to Pakistan. Um, a long time in the wilderness as a host of cricket. Uh, we've seen England go over there, do pretty well. Uh, what are your hopes for the New Zealand cricket team going there? Oh, look, I want to see some improvements from when they last uh, went to the subcontinent, which is obviously India. So there's a good chance for New Zealand to, to step up and show that they've you know, learned some good, valuable lessons from them, um, particularly from a batting perspective. I think you know, New Zealand's batting is relatively experienced and um, we'd like to see that, um, as I said, they, they play a sort of proactive brand of cricket over there. I think England have set the tone and I'm not suggesting New Zealand play to that extent, but certainly the ability to look to score first is going to be critical over there with the bat. Whenever teams go to the subcontinent, it's always about one of the first conversations is conditions, isn't it? So they've been in India. How similar are the conditions, India and Pakistan? Um, yeah, not particularly, to be honest. The, uh, the, the uh, say, Rawapindi, uh, or sorry, Karachi and Multan are, are flat, um, no grass, pretty bereft of grass, uh, a real sheen. So the ball skids on, um, pretty easy to score for the first few days of the game. Um, even Karachi, even potentially all five, and it actually becomes easier to bat and doesn't seem to break up. So um, it's, it's quite different. Um, the ball reverse will become critical in Pakistan. The ability to get enough air speed to get the ball to reverse is going to be something that New Zealand will certainly be looking for. Um, and obviously facing it as well will be the, the other challenge. How many spinners should they be taking? And how important is spin over there? Um, look, spin is, is important, but not so much from a wicket-taking perspective, as, as India is, obviously we saw Ajaz take that to the extreme, but uh, it'll be a combination factor between team and spin over there rather than necessarily relying on one. Uh, I think they're going to have to take three, at le- play at least two, uh, and I think Bracewell and Ajaz Patel are probably the front runners there, um, but take another one, whether that be an all-rounder in Phillips or Rachin Ravindra, or maybe they potentially could take both because they cover dual roles, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I, I don't think, uh, I think between those four, I think they'll take at least three. I feel like draws in the Test match are likely. Uh, yep, and, and I think England sort of identified that and, and recognised that in order to win, they're going to have to give themselves at least three days to take two wicket, uh, 20 wickets. So 
that's certainly the way they went about it. Um, I think New Zealand could, as I said, could probably learn a little bit from that in terms of scoring at a rate that allows you enough time to take 20 wickets. Uh, because, as I said, the pitches don't necessarily deteriorate too much. So you've got to allow yourself time. You've got to allow yourself the ability to, to get the ball to reverse. So therefore, you need an older ball. Therefore, you need longer time to bowl. So um, sort of different in New Zealand, we're always waiting for that new ball to come so you can potentially get a, you know, two or three wickets in a, in a clump. It's probably the other way around, where you're actually waiting to scuff the ball up so you can potentially get wickets in clumps. So that, that, that obviously will take time. And, of course, this Hulk series will be on Sky Sport, the Pakistan-New Zealand series. We're not quite sure who's going to be tossing the coin in Pakistan with news just out today that there's some announcement is going to be made about Kane Williamson's captaincy. I guess a two-part question. A, does that surprise you? And B, do you think it might just be white ball and he'll carry on as test captain? Uh, look, I think it'll be the other way around. Um, I think he'll hand in the test captaincy. Um, I just think, you know, captaining all three formats now in the modern era is just, uh, it's, it's too too onerous. And I think we've seen that throughout the world, but it just doesn't happen, you know. Um, and Kane has done it for since 2016 on a permanent basis, and he's done an amazing job. Um, but it is relentless, and it does, uh, you know, in many ways sort of suck the, the life out of you from a time perspective. You know, it's certainly not just on the field. It's it's all of the other demands that you have around the game, um, and you're always thinking about it. So, I think for Kane to relieve himself of at least you know one of those formats makes good sense, um, and hopefully we'll keep him involved in the game longer. And and I know you know the, I know Kane will still contribute in whatever way he can, but to alleviate some of that pressure would be great. Yeah, because you've mentioned there, the workloads are incredible now. The the cricket calendar is so chocker, and if you're a top class player as Kane is, you could probably play a game every week. So managing workloads gets incredibly important at this time of year, or any time of year. Yeah, look, it does, Steph. It's not just the playing side. I mean, I think that, you know, what is often, I guess, not misunderstood, it probably just people just aren't aware of the of the demands that the captain has. You know, they, you, you don't just go home or at the end of a day's play and, and park up and refresh. You know, you're constantly... Um, working, you're talking with players, you're trying to get the best out of them, you're looking at strategy. You know, there's no time to sort of free your mind up and live your life. And um, as I said, when you take on all three roles, it is onerous. And the fact Kane has lasted as long as he is, um, you know, it's testament to how much he cares about New Zealand cricket and how much he's put in. So, um, look, I whatever a decision he makes, I certainly support. Um, I think, as I said, trying to relieve some of that time and give him some time to himself and his family outside of actually playing, uh, I think will be great. Um, is he one of the players that's up for auction? Because I, I know the IPL auction, you're heading off to India very shortly to take part in the auction, although probably more as a spectator because uh, you've informed me there's not much money left in your salary cap. But is he going to be up for auction and is he going to be an attractive proposition? Well, he's in the first group. So uh, they just came out a couple of days ago. So he'll be in the first um, the first group, but they haven't called it a marquee group. That's the top batting group. Um, he's got his base price at two crore, which is around about four hundred New Zealand dollars. Um, and I'm sure he'll have some takers. Um, probably not to the extent that he had previous year with SRH. Um, but yeah, he'll certainly be in demand. Obviously, with his leadership skills and his experience in the subcontinent, I'm sure you know one or two teams um, could certainly look at him 
whether even as a starting player or, or potentially a backup, but I'm sure he'll be in demand. And was I of the understanding that he was released? Because if they'd kept him, it'd be like the $2 million price tag, but by releasing him, they could potentially buy him back at a lesser price, an economic decision. Oh, look, I think when you retain someone at that price, you you know, you're obviously the output you want is pretty huge, and, and SRH didn't have a great year. So, um, you know, often owners don't have... Um, you know, huge amounts of patience. So Kane could well be brought back. As I said, there'll be other teams that could well be interested in, in you know, his skills on offer. He's, he's done very well in the IPL in the past. So didn't have a great year last year, but that can happen. And um, as I said, a number of sides could well look at him, but uh, he's probably uh, probably going to be outside our price range. How tense is the auction room, Yes, Because you know the players you want to fill in your roster. Um, you can probably guess what the other teams want in their roster. I'd imagine it's quite a tense environment. Oh, look, there's, there's months and months of work that go into it um, in terms of not only, as you said, identifying what your other teams are after, but their purses and, and how much you potentially could suck out of their purse by by bidding for other players. And um, and obviously, if you get stuck with them, how are you going to deal with that? So <laughs> lots of mock auctions, lots, lots of strategy. Um, and yeah, that's sure there is plenty of tension as well. I mean, the last two or three years, we've, uh, from a personal perspective, you know, we've had to make changes to our squad this year. We're pretty settled, so uh, we won't have too much work to do at the auction table. Whereas some have almost half their purse to spend. So it'll be fascinating watching, and probably not being quite as tense as we normally are. So RCB, which you're uh, in control of. Um is it fair to say you've probably got your starting 11 or your preferred starting 11 locked in already? Oh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we, we retain 18 players. We've got a pretty pretty much our core group from last year. You're, you're always looking to make tweaks and always looking to make improvements. So we'll be looking to do that. I mean, we have released a few players. We've opened up a bit of cash, but as I said, we probably won't be bidding for too many of the marquee players on offer this year. You're still loving it? Like the IPL, we probably don't... I've talked to players that have been over there and they've said people in New Zealand just don't get the intensity and the magnitude that it holds in India. It's a massive carnival um, with a lot of importance to it. Yeah, I mean, the time zone probably doesn't help from a New Zealand perspective because it happens in the middle of the night, really. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's two months of games on every single day. Um, You know, the whole country gets behind it. You know, stadiums sell out in a matter of minutes, um, and that's for you know all games throughout the season. So, you know, you've got tens of thousands of people lining the streets when you leave the hotel. So it's a big deal, and it's um, it's something that uh, you know I'm looking forward to getting actually into Bangalore when we're playing uh, in front of our home crowd. I mean, I've been with RCB for three seasons. Uh, we've made the playoffs each year, but uh, we haven't played a game at home yet. Um, obviously, with COVID and the restrictions there, so I think our fans are hanging out for us to get home and and hopefully show, us, uh, show them some good cricket. What What is the fandom like? Um, how, I'm just trying to compare it here with NPC Rugby, Super Rugby, International Rugby. How tribal are uh, the areas that you guys represent? I think mainly um, people represent heroes and players. So, um, you know, if you've got a player that ha- that the, they identify with, I mean, Virat Kohli for RCB has been there since the start, and he's obviously got a huge following. Um, and players, you know, people all around the country actually get behind teams. So we're, we're probably one of the most supported teams in the competition from all around the country, um, not just Bangalore or, or Bengaluru. So, um, you know, we've got a huge fan base there and people that turn out, but we've also got people that travel, you know, all around the country to, to watch us play. So um, it's, 
look, it's it's really hard to compare with other sports. It, it's absolute mayhem. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's, you know, you can't go to the shop and buy yourself a pair of undies or anything because you, you, just, you just can't. Um, it's, you just get guys get mobbed and it's just not a it's not a normal way of life but it's um it's an incredible thing to be a part of and as I said the enthusiasm uh and just the passion of all the fans is is next level that's for sure is it sort of living in a bit of a bubble I remember talking to uh Sonny Gaviscar when he was out here in the commentary team and it, I had an hour with him actually as we were waiting for the rain to clear in Apia one day and he he'd brought his wife to New Zealand because they can just go to a cafe and have a sandwich and have a coffee and just go for a walk along the beach, which even he hasn't played for, for years, but he can't do that in India. And I'd imagine you, Mike Hesson, can't do that in India because you're linked to RCB, you're linked to cricket, you're linked to Virat. Um, is it a bubble life over there? Oh, look, I think everybody's in different degrees, aren't they? But, um, yeah, I mean, Sonny would be would be certainly well sought after, but... I mean, it's not it's not in an obtrusive way either. It's just genuine enthusiasm. You know, someone will see you wandering down the street if you choose to do that. And, um, you know, once you get four or five people around you, within a minute, you've got a thousand. So it just, it's just a people just want to, you know, be around and talk and take a photo or um, because they love the game so much and they love, you know, the people around the game. So it's, it's, a, it's a special place to be. And it's, um, it's something that, you know, I can go away and do for, sort of three months a year um, and then uh, obviously come back to New Zealand and, and spend some time here doing some other things. So uh, it's a nice balance and one that, uh, yeah, I certainly enjoy. Brilliant, Hess. Oh, well, safe travels over to India and I know you'll keep a close eye on New Zealand and Pakistan. You won't be able to watch on Sky Sports because you'll be away probably, but we'll be able to watch it here as well. Uh, really appreciate your time, Hess. Uh, all the best. Yep, thanks, Steph. I'll, I'll be back in time. I'll get back on Christmas Day, so certainly be tuned in to the, uh, the test match on Sky. Brilliant, mate. Go well. Good man. Thank you. Uh, welcome back in. Good stuff there from Hess, eh? Hess. Um, afternoons with Staffy here. Uh, Abe Living, Caller of the Month. I have to remind you of this, uh, BSCNC's Caller of the Month. You can win a char, mate, Colt, 48, smoker and barbecue. Goes right through December, so don't be afraid. It doesn't stop this week when I stop. Just keep on calling, and you could win one of those great prizes. And also remember, I mentioned earlier today that Gull have twenty cents off a litre until midday tomorrow. Twenty cents. It's nearly at two dollars at some stations in Auckland. So uh, they support us. We support them. What a perfect time to fuel up and gas up. And while I'm thinking of it, prize wise, ASB Tennis Classic. Text in the word tennis. Do it now, in fact. Text in the word tennis to us here at double eight double three. Izzy and Daisy Dag will host you at the tennis if you're drawn out. Or Tony Camp. Two very different days. Two very different days they would shape up as. But text tennis to double eight double three. And that is thank you to Vodafone and the ASB Tennis Classic. We'll back to wrap up this hour. We've got a good hour coming up as well. Stick around, we'll come back. Great to have your company here on SCNZ Afternoons with Staffy, brought to you by Gull, fueling your mission and your Christmas holidays. And your Christmas holidays. Coming up in the next hour, big old hour, uh, the wonderful effervescent Caitlin O'Sullivan's going to join me in studio. She's from Love Racing. We're going to talk about the grand tour of racing and where you need to be over the holiday period. There's so much good stuff going on. And it's more than just racing, the grand tour as well. And Caitlin will 
furnish our ears with all the information that we need. Campbell Burns, the editor of Rugby News, coming up as well in the next half hour. They have the first time ever put a woman on the cover of the Rugby News, the wonderful Ruby Tui, and why not? We're going to play Show Me The Money. Chance to win a four-leg multi. You can be one of the legs. Me, Sammy, and Captain K will be the other three legs. Uh, We've also got the vault. It's up to $150 today if you can open the vault with our sporting moment and we'll take you back in the day. And then, of course, Phoenix Nation with Ricardo Ball will be with you from three until four. Thanks to Oppo for doing that. Stick around. Caitlin O'Sullivan. Don't want to miss it. It's a great pleasure today. It's a great pleasure. I love it when people come into the studio, and particularly when it's Caitlin O'Sullivan from <clears throat> Love Racing, and of course, loveracing.nz. That is your home of thoroughbred racing, and it is also the home of the Grand Tour Racing Festival. It's here, Caitlin. It started. What an exciting time for like you've been entrenched in the racing game for a long, long time. The Grand Tour, what a cool concept! Oh, it's very cool. We're very, we're very proud of it, and it's uh. Yeah, it's great to have it out there in market and, and being received well. It's bright, it's bold, it's a little bit different. Um, and it's drawing in that young crowd to races, which I think most people can agree. You know, we need that next generation uh, to be joining us on course and experiencing what a great day the races is. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like not only um, the racing codes, but uh, rugby codes, mm. uh, football codes, all of that. Yeah you got to look after and put your energies into that younger generation. I mean, we saw what happened with the Black Ferns winning the World Cup and all the youngsters that were in the crowd. So what about a Grand Tour race day is cool for the younger brigade? Gosh, there's so much. It's obviously New Zealand's top 20 race days. It's our best racing at the best venues. But what comes with that is the hospitality. It's the fashion. It's the live music. We've got our Grand Tour Festival Zone. Uh, so there's so much for people to get involved with and enjoy. It's a We call it an entertainment extravaganza, and that's because it really is. There's... There's just so much for people to get amongst and enjoy. I remember my days at the TAB, they used to have, I think it was called Christmas at the Races and mm. Summer Racing and all that sort of thing. And there's some really cool holiday hotspots around the country. Does the Grand Tour take those sorts of events in? Uh, yes, yes. We are focusing on New Zealand's top 20 race days. So right. it is it is your Pukekohe Parks, it's your Trenthams, it's uh, Tirapa, uh, obviously with Ellerslie out, out this year. So it is that uh, real top tier racing. Um, but look, those are great race days. Your your country meetings are amazing as well. I'm a huge fan of Mata Mata Christmas at the races. A little <laughs> shout out there. For Go my, Mata Mata! Yeah, for my local club, I'll be heading there. So, um, look, there's something for everything. But the the Grand Tour days really are focusing um, on those those top tier days uh, this year, anyway. So, where are some of the one? Where are some of the one the upcoming ones? Mm. You're, you're talking top twenty. Is that across the twelve months? The top twenty, or is it more uh, a seasonal we go type thing? Through and gosh, this is, I believe the first of April we go through to. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're, our next day is going to be Boxing Day races at Pukekohe Park, which will be a first. Um, 
and then we go to New Year's Day races at Tirapa, again a first, uh, and both those days they're going to have a little bit of everything. They've obviously got the great racing, um, there's also going to be children's entertainment, obviously a lot of people have the little ones with them this time of year, so um, there'll be something for everything, everyone at these events. It is such a cool day out, and you know, the picnic hampers, mm. the rugs on the ground, the sunscreen, the sun hat, the sunglasses, kids running around in circles, waving at the horses and all that. It's a pretty cool, iconic kind of Kiwi thing to do, isn't it? I was just going to say, it's an iconic Kiwi summer day out. Um, look, I think it's, it's sort of ingrained in, in Kiwi culture, and perhaps that may have been lost ever so slightly recently, but with the Grand Tour, we were hoping to bring people back to the races and just remind them of what a great day out and um, it's a great thing to be a part of. So what are you like when you're not working for Love Racing yep. and you paint me the picture of your Matamata Christmas Day at the races? Go. Matamata Christmas Day at the races. Uh, it's a it's a very local day. Matamata's not a big place for, for anyone that knows it well. Uh, so you sort of know everyone. You're bumping into people from school. You're bumping into the lady that serves you at the supermarket. Um, <laughs> and it's just great. The the racing on that day, um, you know, if you ask if you ask a racing enthusiast, there's no group races or anything like that, but it's still great racing to get amongst and it's just that good Kiwi feel. It's relaxed, it's, you know, sandals and a sundress and, and just kicking back and, and enjoying the Enjoying the vibe. So people, if they were going to go to a Grand Tour event, has there been uh, focus or attention on the potential of first-timers being there and not quite knowing what to do? Uh, Yes, I think so. I think, um, you know, we're certainly not um, dismissing the great racing on these days. That's why these days have been chosen as Grand Tour race days. Um, but they're going to get there. There'll be the festival zone. There's live music. I think anyone can get amongst having a bit of a boogie. And then while they're there, they can start to watch the racing and learn a little bit more about that and go from there. And this is when our best horses are racing, is that fair to say? Our best yeah. jockeys are on display. Our best Absolutely. trainers are all about. Absolutely. It's the best of the best. And these days really do draw out those sorts of people. So it's certainly, uh, if you're a racing enthusiast, you're going to be chomping at the bit to get on course at these race days. And if you're a party enthusiast, you'll be chomping at the bit to get down to the Grand Tour Festival Zone. The cool thing about the racing community is um, they really embrace newcomers to the industry. Mm. Uh, They don't mind being questioned. They don't mind someone tapping you on the shoulder. Like when I used to go to the races all the time in my younger days when I was about your age. And you'd quite often get some say, how do you fill in these slips? I love helping people. And I think the racing industry, they know that it's an important part of of the industry and they like helping newbies, eh? No, absolutely. Um, You know, and I've seen firsthand, you know, you get people walk through the gates and they'll spot a jockey or a trainer and they'll say, who's your best tip? And I think that's a really neat aspect of racing. There's not many sports that you can get so close uh, to the athletes and to the people really involved in it. So absolutely. And, you know, I encourage all racing enthusiasts to continue to encourage uh newbies to our sport because I think people really remember remember that if you can give someone you know 15 or 20 seconds of your time to, to give them a tip or to show them where to go or where to place a bet uh, people remember that and, and they'll come back. You're part of the very famous O'Sullivan family in racing of course Dave one of the absolute all time greats and father Lance here's a question I bet you've never been asked. Oh god I'm nervous yep. If you weren't born into the O'Sullivan clan, mm-hmm. do you think you would have still gravitated towards racing? 
I think so. I think I would need someone to introduce me to it, which is what my family have done. But because of that introduction, I've really developed a passion in my own right. Um, I love I love the horses. I love the excitement. There's, you know, the biggest highs you can imagine in racing. There's also the lows, and they make the highs even better. Um, plus, I love an excuse to get dressed up and, <laughs> and go out with my friends. So there's that and element And have a glass of bubbles. Exactly, exactly. So, no, I think to answer your question, uh, as long as I had that initial introduction, yes. And do you, fr- do you have friends outside of racing that just get involved in like a Grand Tour type event and put yeah. on the glad rags and away yeah. you go? Yeah, um, majority of my friends, you know, have, have very little to do with the races. All they know is your Karakamillions or your Boxing Day races, and they do. They get dressed up and we go along. It's an annual thing, and yeah, what a great thing to have as an annual thing. It's a lot of fun, and we certainly look forward to those days every year. Are they just pulling on your sleeve saying, I need a winner. I need yes. a winner. You, you'll know. You'll know. The amount of people that ask me for tips, and I'm a terrible tipster, um, so I don't know why they do it. Um, <laughs> or maybe I don't. They assume I would know. I don't. And you just um, make a quick call, Dad, Andrew. Yes, I do. I like I did before the show, just in case you ask me for a tip. I, oh, I call the bosses. Oh, Caitlin, have you got a tip for us for this do weekend? I? Perhaps. Of course, I've, <laughs> I've come prepared. Uh, I just spoke to Andrew Scott, who's. Uh, co-trainer at Wexford Stables, and he is tipping McKenzie, uh, so I will tip McKenzie, uh, <laughs> and he's going to line up in race one at Trentham on Saturday in the two-year-old race there. Hasn't had a run, but has had an impressive trial win, and the team really like him. 2.20. I also see mm. um, a flatmate of McKenzie. Yes, stick S- to the orders. Stick to the orders. I like that name. Craig Grills is writing that. It's had one start for a fifth. That's 7.50. 7.50. That's probably not a... I'm no tipster. I was going to say pretend that. You are. Pretend, pretend you are. Pretend I am. No, look, I uh, I know that that horse has come on a lot since its first start and took a lot from the experience. Uh, so I think stick to the orders will be a huge improver and perhaps seven fifty isn't a bad price. Has that had a trial? It would have. Pro- uh, Actually, let me have a look. Me. Have a little look. Yes, placed yes. in a trial before yes. a fair debut in Waikato. It'll be improved with that run. Spot on. TAB's got it right. TAB's got it right. A tick of approval from Bridget yes. O'Sullivan. All right, so when's your next Grand Tour? Is that... Uh, Boxing Day. Boxing, Boxing Day. Boxing Day at Pukekohe Park. Then we go to New Year's Day. Following that, we'll go to Trentham on the 14th. Uh, and then it's into New Zealand bloodstock, Karakamillion at Pukekohe Park. Do you go to all of these things? I am absolutely... I'm definitely going to go New Year's Day, not in a work capacity. Um, I love my work, but it'll also be fun to enjoy a glass of champagne that day and, and get amongst the festivities. Uh, and then I'll also be at Karakamillion. I can't remember the last time I missed that race day. It's Is a, that the first year it's at Pukekohe? Yes. Karakamillions? Yes, yes. With Ellerslie getting resurfaced yes. and all that sort yes, of so stuff. Yes, so it's um, historically an Ellerslie race day, uh, but this year, this year just, just down the motorway. Happy days, eh? Happy days. Look at you smiling about <laughs> I'm getting very excited. <laughs> yes, your social time. Hey, Caitlin, um, great to have you in studio. I think Love Racing, the thing I like about Love Racing when in New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing set that up, it was to tell the stories of, um, and I'm a big proponent of the story behind the story. Mm. So through Love Racing, and I do encourage everyone to follow them on Facebook and all of the socials, you learn about the jockeys, you learn about the characters and the stories behind the stories. And when you get those, 
then the main stories make so much more sense to you. So you and your, you and your small but very industrious team are doing a wonderful job at Love Racing. I really commend what you're all doing. I think it's a really valuable part of the industry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. So there she is, Caitlin O'Sullivan. You can follow her. Um, well, follow Love Racing. Don't follow her everywhere. Follow Love Racing everywhere. These great yarns, these great insights into all the things with thoroughbred racing. I thank you for coming in, Caitlin, and we shall take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Campbell Burns. He is the rugby editor of the Rugby News. Goal.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's summer, but it's not over for rugby, and uh, the brand new, just-released rugby news is on the shelves today, I believe. In fact, uh, tell me if that is the case. I don't want to pre-sell it. Uh, Campbell Burns, he is the editor of Rugby News. He joins us now. Campbell, uh, do we see a magnificent cover on the shelves today? We certainly do, Steph. We certainly do. Uh, It's out today, our December-January issue, so that'll be on sale uh probably for the next six weeks or so um, until our uh, Super Rugby special. But we've got it out and we've got Ruby Tui, uh, who's, who was uh, very much uh, resplendent on the cover today. That is magnificent. And I understand the first time a woman's adorned the cover of the Rugby News, Campbell, you've been around rugby as long as me. Um, it's more than just a photo on a cover of a magazine, isn't it? Certainly is, yeah. Look, I, I think uh, a few years ago when the Black Ferns won the 2006 World Cup. We actually featured the whole team on the on the cover. It was a bit of a celebration shot, and then, uh, of course, we had our Rugby World Cup guide, uh, which was out um, in September, October, which uh, was obviously well. That was the first standalone women's rugby mag ever published in New Zealand. So now we've gone uh, again with uh, with um, a, a black fin on the cover, Ruby Tui. Um, looks as though that's from the final that shot, um, and she's showing all her the emotion that we know she has, and she bought and won over. One of the so many people, uh, particularly during those last couple of weeks of the World Cup, I think she, she had the she had the crowd at Eden Park just about on the in, in the palm of her of her hand. So I think it was appropriate that we uh, went with Ruby then, and we have an exclusive interview with her, and she was uh, she was very good value, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, um, just just with her on the cover and this Women's Rugby World Cup this year, having been around rugby for so long as you have. So many different angles that, um, like as a rugby writer, you have to find different angles all the time in a game. That doesn't change too much, but this provided you with so much new perspective, I'd imagine, as a rugby writer, the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah, look, uh, 100%. I mean, um, although we're not in the the 24-hour news cycle like most of the rugby media, so we we came out, uh, well, we had our November issue was out just before the final, and then... We've obviously come out um, for the December issue several weeks later, so we've well, we've been able to write with a bit of perspective on it, I guess. Um, very good piece there from Adam Julian, who, who followed, is one of our writers who uh, followed the Black Ferns around um, during the the World Cup, and he he uh, gave a very colourful colour piece, uh, which was great. But I also I was along, I went along to the uh, semi final uh, against France, and that was one of the one of the great days out in rugby media that uh, that I've enjoyed. Um, wasn't just the the fact that the match was so dramatic, but just the whole atmosphere and everything else surrounding it, it was, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was great to see. And then to top it off with the, with the Black Ferns winning um, and what was pretty much close to a rugby miracle that Wayne Smith and his team managed to engineer, that was just uh, tremendous and really, really topped it off. But I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have given them, 
any money to uh, prior to the tournament as far as getting a crowd of 43,000 nearly for the final, which was uh, the second time they'd broken the world record during that tournament. That was, that was just uh, incredible stuff. How much of that support and um, not tribalism, but just the absolute support from all of New Zealand, do you attribute to the Black Ferns' ability to not change their personality, share their personality, share their story in such a fresh and honest way? Uh, yes, certainly partially. Um, you could argue that the Black Ferns have been been themselves for 24 years and they've been tremendously successful except in 2021. Um, but because they haven't had the, the scope or the range of media that they have now, uh, it helped having 11 home games, which was unprecedented, uh, in, in the season, and it helped having the final two games live on free to air. I mean, you had had 20% of the country watching this, which was which was just extraordinary stuff. Um, but you know, having 11 home games, uh, getting in front of their home people, which they hadn't done for three years, uh, 11 home games is three or four more than the All Blacks would even play in a year. So that was really important to have that, and then the groundswell of support that built. Um, and, and, and I guess the way they, they played and conducted themselves off the field and then culminating in those last two sort of joyous weeks that we saw. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen anything like that in, in New Zealand rugby, but also it is amazing when you put that, some rugby on free-to-air and it draws in new fans. You have people like Ruby Tui, who's uh, got an amazing backstory. Um, and just, just I guess, uh, from what we heard and saw in the media um, with, with the girls and what they were what they were feeling, what they were saying. It was authentic, it was genuine. And, uh, yeah, it was great that they won over so many new fans and, and some old ones. What are the main lessons and main takeouts you would hope that New Zealand rugby and more particularly the All Blacks could take out of not on-field but maybe off-field performance by the Black Ferns? Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, the, the All Blacks, to a certain extent, try and relate to their fans, um, and they often do that through social media as much as anything. But I think they've got to uh, have a look at themselves, the All Blacks, and say that not all media are, are the actual enemy. Um, I think, you know, some there's some good and bad media, but they've got to approach it um, with sort of a fresh a fresh look, I think, um, the All Blacks. Um, it helps if you're winning, for sure. Um, but, yeah, they, they do have to be more themselves, uh, like the Black Ferns have been. Than, than we have seen in, in recent years. And whether that's just been coached out of them or coaxed out of them, I'm not too sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's some genuinely good guys um, amongst the All Blacks, but we don't always see that um, when they talk because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, whereas, you know, I, I just got the impression that the Black Ferns uh, were just thriving on this, on this extra media and this extra attention, but they weren't trying to be anything other than themselves. Anything they changed was the way they played the game, and that was... Um, you know, w- without having that bedrock of structure, uh, which they've been successful with for so long, they were able to to really tweak things there. So that was, um, you know, it was a tribute to what they'd done in, under Wayne Smith. Yes. Yeah, so you've mentioned Wayne Smith there, and he's probably the only living, breathing character that's been at the very top of both All Blacks and Black Ferns. And I have never seen a more happy, open, um, convivial almost a jester sometimes, Wayne Smith, at a World Cup. He was absolutely loving life. He was, yeah. I don't know, he had that, he had that strong connection back with the late uh, Laurie O'Reilly, uh, who was a very good uh, mate of his back in the day. So I, I think that was a key driver for him. But 
clearly he came in under very difficult circumstances um, back in March, April, um, when the when the review was happening, when Glenn Moore was stepping down. He, he wasn't keen to step into the head coach role, but um, the way he just he was able to embrace this, and all the while with the Black Ferns trying to embrace full time professionalism, they obviously responded, got themselves in the shape of, of their lives, and then started to play. Um, style of play that um, was high risk and very high reward it wasn't perfect there were mistakes their kicking game wasn't always on point but they played um, they played fearlessly and I think I, I think Wayne Smith just drove that and clearly he made the right call to say we're not going to be playing like England or France we're not going to have as much structure and it was it was absolutely the right call and as it happened it made they still had a bit of luck and they may not have even won this uh, certainly if Joanna Nungwui hadn't won that last look and jump for that last line out if the French kicker hadn't bottled it under under pressure in the semi. But I think they they earned some luck, um, the Black Ferns. And I think you know Wayne would say this has probably been his most enjoyable assignment of his very long and very successful rugby career. Mm, bang on, Bernsey. All right, mate. Um, really appreciate you jumping on today. The rugby news. It's in bookshops and supermarkets. Uh, certainly is, mate. Yep. Uh, if you haven't, if you're not already subscribing, it's uh, out today. Everywhere and uh, on sale for a while. It's only uh, it's only eleven dollars fifty. Uh, but we do we, we do have not just uh, women's rugby. There is a, an all black season review by Phil Gifford. Uh, there's a where are they now on John Sturgeon and Karen Reed pays tribute to uh, one of his old teammates, Luke Romano, who has hung up the boots after a very fine career. So there's all sorts to get your teeth into in, uh, in rugby news. Oh, can't wait to read the Luke, Luke Romano, just one of the absolute characters of New Zealand rugby, isn't he? I bet you that's a good read. Have you had a little squeeze? Of course you have, you're the editor. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done. Yeah, no, that was, that was a nice piece there by uh, by Kieran. Um, I think they bonded over line-outs, those two. Um, and line of course, I should mention also there's a, an exclusive interview with Kendra Coxedge, another one who's hanging up her boots. Uh, real fairy tale finish for her, but she, she was really interesting to have a yarn to. And indeed, she's going to be joining us as a columnist uh, in 2023. That's going to be great. Oh, brilliant. Oh, she's going to have to sit down and get a pen and paper out. That'll be different. <laughs> it certainly will, but she's got so much knowledge. I think she uh, she might be looking at the coaching ranks as well, but she might better contribute to us, and I'm sure she's got some valuable stuff yeah. to pass on. Sure she will. Bernsey, always good to chat, buddy. Thank you so much. Very good, Stephen, and you have a Merry Christmas and also to all your uh, Sims listeners out there too. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, and to you and yours at Rugby News. Wonderful magazine, Rugby News. So go into your bookstores. If you're not subscribed, if you are, it'll probably arrive today. If you're not... Um, supermarkets, dairies, bookshops uh, you wouldn't have to look in too many before you found one and, and the resplendent Ruby Tui will be on the cover and great news there that Kendra Coxedge is going to be a, a columnist um, for them next year which will bring a great perspective as well. We're coming up to new sport and weather, remember 3 o'clock thanks to Oppo uh, Phoenix Nation with Ricardo Ball will be with you from 3 to 4 but in the next half hour we've got Show Me The Money, we've got The Vault we've got The Back In The Day it's all coming up after the news. Thank you, Johnny Mac. If you want to have a crack at Show Me The Money, give us a call now. 0800 150 a four-leg multi. Myself, Sammy. Actually, I haven't even thought about which one I'm going to do, Sammy. Me, Sammy, and Captain K will pick a leg each, and uh, we'll say caller number three. You will pick the fourth leg. We'll put a $50 TRB bonus bet on for you, and... See how we roll. See how we roll. Um, Captain K's overruled me. He says, no, we're not going to take 
We're going to spin the wheel. Okay, we're going to spin the wheel. I'm not allowed to say what caller number it is. Okay, okay. Um, just while we get the calls going. Um, uh, hey, Steph, good talking earlier. I forgot to ask. I'm looking forward to the Darts World Championship. I'm hoping Adrian Lewis or Gary Anderson win, but probably not playing their best at the moment. Who do you think or want to win it? Go well, Steph. Cheers, Graham and Marble, formerly Northland. I always cheer for James Wade. Um, because I got to know him quite well. Whenever he comes to New Zealand, we go out for a curry. And him and his wife are fantastic, and his son, uh, cool family, always a big James Wade fan. And um, outside of him, probably Michael Smith will be the one I'll be cheering for. Probably Michael Smith. It's time, good to hear from you, Graham. Time for Show Me The Money. Show you the money. That show you. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Gary's. Show me the money! Show me the money! Here we go with Show Me The Money. Sammy, you're just going to have to tell me who it is because I don't know who's I think we've got, uh, after Kia's spun the wheel, I think we've got Scott down in Christchurch. Scotty Christchurch. G'day, Scott. How we doing, boys? We are good. Look, I can just tell straight away you know exactly what you want to take. Oh, I've got a fair idea where I want to go with it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you go to those places, mate. You go to those places. Steph, um, I feel like you should kick it off. You, you haven't kicked it off in a while. Why don't you uh, start us off? Well, I'm going to do a Sam. Oh, dear. I'm going to stick with my onions. Oh, I thought you were going to do an NHL bit. I was, uh, I was no. chomping the bit. Well, I won last week. Yeah. Remember when you won with the Dallas Stars? Yeah. No, I won just with ice hockey. Oh, with ice yeah. hockey. You won with the Dallas Stars, though. I did, yeah. So I won with Buffalo Bills last week. I'm going Buffalo Bills again. But... I'll take, I'll take the point start this time Ooh. minus seven. So just a little bit more uh, yeah. zest. Well, it's only dollar thirty, you see. So I'll take the dollar ninety Buffalo Bills minus seven. If the lo- if a game finishes at exactly seven, it's a push. So it's not a loss. It's oh, just okay. a push. Yeah, they do that in the American ones, don't they? Yeah. Okay. So Buffalo Bills minus seven point start at a dollar ninety. Sure, me to mind. Okay. I'll take it. I will take it. I'll uh, sit Captain back and Cap- let you two guys go. Captain, Captain, you want to go second? I do. I do. In fact, uh, I don't want to talk about last week, but I did lose uh, a Portugal at a dollar something. So my uh, analogy... Look, I lost on that as well, Kieran, so let's yep. not... Uh... <laughs> well, let's pack the bus then. Okay. Look, the analogy has gone out the window for me taking short. I missed out on Croatia last week. They're playing for third and fourth in the... Oh, yeah, third and fourth in the World Cup this weekend. I really like this one, so I'm going to take it, Sam, and you can't tell me no like you did last week. Croatia. No. Either team oh. to win an extra time. Really? Not I've, not regulation I, nope. and not penalties. Nope. I think that there is going to be an extra time winner. I'm just saying it now, and, and you can come pat me on the back when it comes in. Six bucks. Six bucks. Oh, Show me that yes, money. Captain K. That is, yeah. I'm going aggressive. bold. That's aggressive, and I don't have a problem with it, Mark. Um, where should I go? Ice hockey. Ah, okay. You're twisting my arm. You're <laughs> twisting my arm. Uh, I only, I'm only doing it for one reason and one reason, uh, reason only. That's because tomorrow the mighty Boston Bruins are playing against the LA Kings in Boston. Top of the league at the moment, the Boston Bruins. And, like, mate, we're going to – it'll be easy money. Easy money. Free money. Uh, but I'm going to take the gold star. Yes, you are. Minus one and a half. Always take the gold star. $2.07. Show me the money. Mm. Yep. That's 12 20 oh, I'll tell you exactly what it is, Mark. It's, it's $23.59 right now. Right out back to our lucky recipient. Well, let's hope he's lucky. Uh, Scott. Yes, right. 
Um, can you tell me who's favourite in the uh, in the football World Cup final? I'm not even. Sh- have they released the odds for it yet, Steph? Yes, yes they. Oh, will. they have. Okay. Uh, the favourite at the moment. Uh, don't know is France. By about it's ten France. cents. Yeah, it's nothing in it. Two eighty Argentina, two seventy France, two eighty eight the draw. Yeah, or to lift the cup, you've got Argentina at a dollar ninety seven, France a dollar eighty three. Okay, let's go with France to lift the cup. To France lift the cup, the dollar eighty three. Yep. That's All right. It. So uh, throw what that did, in. What did Captain K take? Uh, he took the uh, Morocco, Morocco, Croatia, Croatia either team. Okay. So uh, we tally all that together. Scott from Christchurch. And hey, might I, uh, might I remind people, Steph, this is our last show in the money for 2022. So oh. last chance to win. Can we go out with a bang? I think we can. We won our last one last year. Really? Yes. Oh, I bodes well for you, Scotty. So uh, $40, $43.18. We put $50 on that, my friend. It comes out at $2,100.21. Come on, Scotty. Come on. Come on, Scotty. Surely. Oh, that'd be amazing. That's your Christmas ham right there. Right. There might be a few. Yeah. boxes of beer, wasn't it? Yes, and gold leaf glaze indeed. Beautiful. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Thanks for having a crack. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas. You too, bud. You too. Scotty from Christchurch. 2,000, how much? 2,100. Yeah. Go, Captain K. It's always the one that, if, if that was to come in, the biggest thanks goes to whoever picked the biggest odds. So that's Captain K. He's chucked himself out there. The lowest percentage chance of happening, but the greatest percentage chance of accolades if it wins. And he and like Captain K's got this weird aura about him, Steph, when he, there's a pick that he's really confident about, and it generally comes in. I mean, I'm thinking about Melbourne Cup Day, and he had that. What? Who was it in Melbourne Cup? Gold trip. Yeah, and he just had this sort of air of confidence about him, which I'm not gonna lie, kids, you didn't have that last week with Show Me the Money. You know, two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row. Cup. So I, I back him at the six bucks, Steph. To be fair. Back him at six bucks. You know what else we're about to give away? Potentially. What? A vault. Ring up for the vault. 0800 150 11. If you can open the vault. There was some good shifting, heavy lifting done yesterday. $150 TOB bonus bet today. You get five questions. Five yes, no questions to get your chance to open the vault. 0800 150 11. Give us a call. We'll spin the wheel again and we'll play the vault. Five questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Time for the vault. Time for the vault. Spin the wheel. I see the lines are full. Spin the wheel, please. Number two. That's it. He's either giving the fingers or he's telling me line two. That's Tony from Auckland. G'day, Tony. Hi, how's it going? Good, Tony. How are you doing today? Ah, oh, fluky. <laughs> but you might be skilled fluke. We are about to find out. Did you listen to the questions yesterday? No, but I heard um, the other day, a couple of them. Okay, that'll do. Oh, not yesterday. Yeah, a couple of... Yeah, okay. So you, you've got something in mind, have you? Not really. Okay, you've got five questions to narrow it down. Away you go. Okay. Um, okay, first question was, uh, is, um, so is it involved females only? Does it involve females only? No. Mm. Okay. 
Does it involve rowing? Does it involve what, sorry? Rowing. Rowing. No, it does not involve rowing. Um, well, I didn't listen because I haven't got a clue. Um, we can give you honest. two. We can give you two of the questions from the first day, if you like. Um, I know it was the Olympic. I know we're still on the same one, right? It was not between before. It was before eighty and after two thousand. That was one of them. No, it's it? it's not. I'll, I'll give you the two. I'll give you the two that we got the other day. It was, um, does it involve a team sport? And it was yes. And is it in? And is it in the southern hemisphere? And the answer was no. So you know it's involving a team sport, and it's in the northern hemisphere. Okay. All right. And you've had two so far um, today. Said two so okay, far does today. It, does it involve soccer? Does it Shock. involve soccer, Sam? No, it does not. Oh, wow. Um, European. Okay, does it involve rugby? Rugby, Sam? No, it does not. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> are, we, are we going back to 500 again, Steph? <laughs> Looks like it. Um, okay. Um, um, is it an Olympic sport? It is an Olympic sport. And that is your fifth question. So now, what is this iconic moment in sport that is not rowing, soccer, rugby, and not involving females only, but it is an Olympic sport? What is this iconic moment in the Northern Hemisphere? (laughs) Far out. Um, I wish my name was Grant Nisbet. Okay. Let's go. Let's just go... um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's just go. Uh, if you want the World Cup, just, let's just go. Uh, <laughs> Jamaica scores a goal. I don't know. I don't know at the Olympics. I don't know. I tell you what. I don't know. It's wild, I, I tell you what, Tony. I'm getting the sense you don't know. I'll put. <laughs> I'll put I, I, I haven't got a. I haven't got a Brazu's monkey, mate. I'll tell, right, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Brazu's monkey into the vault combination here and see what comes out the other side. Brazu's monkey never scores know, a goal for you, Jamaica. Well, you never know what might happen, Steph. No. Uh, close, I thought, right, but no. Never mind, Tony. Thanks for having a crack, bud. Sweet. There he is, Tony. Enjoy your Thursday and your Friday and your Christmas. Now, remember though, Steph, we've got to give it away tomorrow. So we're, we're just going to keep going until we get it tomorrow. So get... people get three questions, guess. Yep. If they don't get it right, next person, three questions, guess. Yep. $200 TRB bonus bet. That's the one. For Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you've got an update on our $500 vault winner. Well, I don't know if he's going to like me doing this. Was it Mark? Matt. Matt. Brad. I'm, Matt. Get, I'm getting Mark from Kez. I'm getting Matt from you. Uh <laughs> No, it's Let's Matt. It's Matt from Blenheim. Agent M. Oh, it was Matt from Blenheim. Yeah, Matt. No, he was giving us updates he yesterday. Yeah, he won't like me doing this, Matt. But in, in fairness and interest of our audience, who are out for information, Matt got five hundred dollars in bonus bet staff, which equates to basically ten fifty. And he used five of them yesterday. Yeah, and unsuccessfully. And was giving us updates. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessful. So he um, he put a couple on today. Actually, he said, "Boys, I'm I'm a reload, and I'm going to put it all on the uh, FIFA World Cup." semi-final between oh. uh, Morocco and France. And let me tell you th- some of the tips that uh, came in here. 
Steph. Uh, France to win. France most shots on target and France most corners at $2.10. Nice. France to win. France most shots on target and France most corners mm-hmm. at $2.10. France to win. France most corners in each half and France most shots on target in each half at $5. Mm. And boosted. Kylian Mbappe, first goal scorer, and France win at $5. Now, um, a lot of most shots on target there from France, as well as most corners, and they didn't get the most corners. I'm pretty sure the shots on target were equal. So, unfortunately for Matt, that $500 has just disappeared into the ether in the the space of uh, 72 hours, Steph. Mm. Reid, I see your text, and I agree with you, mate. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, you should see the faces I make in the studio here during. Uh, what during did Reed say? Times. I won't. Uh, no, uh, that's just between me and Reed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. A little on your read. Text. On your read. Uh, hi guys. What was Steph's pick? Steph's pick was Buffalo Bills minus seven in the NFL game. A straight seven point zero. So if it's exa- if it's twenty to thirteen, it's a refund. It's a push. Tim, that was my pick. We will take a break and we'll come back with a look back in the day. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. Just before I tell you what happened back in the day, uh, remember that Dog Speed is on on Sundays, 12 to 1. Thanks to GRNZ, we actually heard from Edward Rennell, the CEO, earlier today. But Dog Speed, 12 to 1 Sundays. Rosso and Dan Roberts will bring you that. And also a reminder that the Cancer Society's longest day is on. Uh, register at longestday.org.nz and raise money for the crew at Cancer Society. Uh, had a text through as to why the Ashburton races have been abandoned. It's been quite a bad incident there um, with a bit of a crash involving horses and jockeys. There's a few stories floating around about what's gone on, but we've, we tend to wait for the official line. So um, not great news that there was a pretty bad accident on the home straight in race two, I think it was. So we'll update you as we find out. On this day, on December 15, 1925, the first Madison Square Garden was officially opened with a hockey game. A capacity crowd of 17,000. Uh, the New Americans went down to the Montreal Canadiens 3-1. In 1930, Don Bradman took the first of only two wickets in his career when he got an LBW uh, to the West Indian batsman Ivan, Ivan Barrow at uh, the Don's home ground of the Adelaide Oval. In 1961, unprecedented media attention around US amateur champion Jack Nicholas. He arrived in Miami to practice for his pro debut. There was an 18-hole exhibition against Arnold Palmer, Gary Player and Sam Snead. Wowee, the biggest names of all. Um, this day in 1995, uh, OMC released How Bizarre. There you go. <laughs> There's one for you, Pops. Uh, birthdays today, Bill Davis, former All Black, turns 80 today. Gary Wetton and Ellie, Alan Wetton, the All Black twins, they turn 63 today. DJ Forbes, Sevens legend, is 40 today and 32 the great man, the Scudder step, Nehemilna Scudder. Conrad Smith, a show of the ball and the offload off, brilliantly taken by Nonu. Milner Scudder, the step, Nehemilna Scudder, will score! Oh, brilliant try! Oh, he's good. Uh, on this day in 1964, the number one movie was Hush. Hush, sweet Charlotte. 
Very famous movie I've never heard of. And the number one song was by Bobby Vinton. Lonely, I'm still lonely. I have nobody for my own. I'm so lonely. Can I do this with you, Trey? I'm still lonely. Icon. Wish I had someone. Good on you, Bobby. What's that called? I'm so lonely, or something like that. We're not lonely when we've got your company all through the day. Um, one more show. One more show. It's a big show tomorrow. The big show tomorrow. Uh, everyone loves a blooper. We've got two hours of them for you. <laughs> it's gonna be very entertaining. Sam refuses to give me a preview of any of them, so I'm going to be on the edge of my seat along with you. Thank you so much for your texts on the Temper Bedpost text machine all day. Got lots of uh, Merry Christmases and Happy New Years and back at you. Will we do it one more time tomorrow 12 till 4. Thanks to Captain K. Big thanks to Sammy H for putting these things together. Our biggest moments. Phoenix Nation is up next.